Welcome to the Man Alive podcast from Redding, California, where the best men keep getting better. You guys can sit down. Can you hear me? Thank you. I appreciate it. I turned it on correctly, right? That's this mistake, number one. I'm actually, I'm stoked that I got to witness that game because I hear about the game every week. And I've always wanted to see one, so seeing one that of that magnitude was awesome. I um, I help lead the women's night sometimes, and we were last one we were trying to figure out icebreakers, and I came home and I was like, oh, I've got a wealth of them with Aaron. Like he's been going for five years. Like there's got to be tons. So I was like, babe, I need some ideas for icebreakers that you know aren't too messy, aren't humiliating. You know, like that women can play. And he was like, babe, I've got like three games for you. <laughs> it was those. Cool. So I guess we can cram a bunch of girls in her car either, but maybe one day. <laughs> um, I feel like being on the stage with the last name Zint kind of sets the bar absurdly high because my husband is a great speaker. He's smart. He's funny. He's articulate while being wise and heartfelt. And it's just kind of not fair. <laughs> he has unrealistic expectations. I have big shows, shoes to fill, but... I mean, that analogy actually breaks down because I have really large feet. We wear the same size shoe. <laughs> I have very large lady feet. <laughs> I'm proud of them, though. Help me play soccer in high school. Um, but I always have kind of judged, like, I feel like that y'all, like this room, a lot of people in this area have really started to see Aaron's worth and his wealth because Aaron's kind of more like hidden treasure. He's not going to be the loudest one in the room. He's not going to walk into the room and say that I'm awesome, look at me. And I feel like it's always a barometer of other people's character if they're able to see his wealth and influence as awesomely as I can. So it makes me really excited that you guys are starting to see that. Aaron is um, way more subtle of a personality than I am. I I'm louder, for sure. I, this past December, I was talking to some friends at a Christmas party, and we have two girls. We have a three-year-old daughter and a five-month-old daughter, and I was talking to them about how excited I am, my friends, I was telling my friends how excited I am to raise daughters, because I really like have a passion to raise girls who are cool and fun, yet confident and not arrogant, kind of like myself. <laughs> I literally said that, and they like looked at me, and I was like, yeah, I heard it. Don't, don't say anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I won't win any humility awards, probably, anytime in the future. But um, as we were thinking about, as I was thinking about and prepping for the message, I was thinking about our, my journey with Aaron being in a men's group. Aaron started coming five years ago, which is kind of crazy to think about. And when he first told me that he wanted to come to men's group, I was like, why? You don't have a problem. <laughs> he was probably like acting out a couple times a year, and to me, I was like, well, that's, that's really not a problem. But really, what it came down to was that I realized that if he started going to men's group, I was going to have to start having that conversation. Like, if he's going to men's purity group, people would start asking, like, hey, where's, where is Aaron on Monday nights? Like, what's he doing now? And I was going to have to tell them that he's going to men's purity group, which means that Aaron had an issue with purity, which meant that I had an issue, you know, like, in our marriage, there's a purity issue. And that felt like it was going to be make me have to be a lot more vulnerable than I was currently being about it. And I didn't realize how much it would affect me. So I was a little hesitant at first because I wasn't having that conversation with people. I wasn't talking with my girlfriends about Aaron's purity issues or looking at pornography and how that was affecting me. I wasn't talking about that with anybody because I think I kind of had the... I was... Um, youth group kid. I was in the stage of, um, I kissed dating goodbye books. Did anybody else read that in high school? Yeah. So like for some reason lingering, like porn was like 
the taboo like sin to me. And the idea that I was going to have to start like talking to my girlfriends about that was like really scary. So he started going and then he told me a couple weeks in that it was going to cost $150. (laughs) And in my not, my not proudest moment, I told him like, that's fine. You can find the money yourself to pay for it. It's not coming out of our family's budget. (laughs) And it's really, it's, I mean, I laugh about it, but I'm like pretty embarrassed. Like that's pretty low, but that's just how much I like kind of didn't want him to like start this process because it was going to make me be a lot more vulnerable than I was ready to be. Um, but the funny thing is how much in the five years of him being here and me seeing the fruit of what's come out of him coming every Monday night, I've done this like Saul to like Paul kind of conversion where I wouldn't pay for my husband's entrance fee. But since then, we've actually paid a couple people's like help them get in here because I so believe in what you guys are doing and the fruit of it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I don't I have told people like my little slogan when I like pitch men's group to people is I'm like it's one of the best hidden ministries in like a Bethel like the healing room probably doesn't get enough fa- like attention and neither does men's group like considering the fruit and the like testimonies that I hear out of it like I'm just in awe of what you guys have gone after and the breakthrough you've seen and I'm really grateful that you're giving it your time and your effort doing it going after it Um, so I think it was probably, oh, like the first year I got around the whole being vulnerable about Aaron having a porn problem by telling people that Aaron's going to men's group. I would like leave out the purity (laughs) because it just was, it was the catch word that I didn't want to talk about. I kind of did that when I was going to, um, I went to Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. I did all three years. And the summer before I went to first year, I'm from North Carolina. Anybody else from the South? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's awesome. That's why I said y'all. <laughs> um, but before I was going to first year, I was waiting tables because that's what everybody does after they graduate from college, right? You take your bachelor's degree and you go wait tables. <laughs> and I uh, was talking to this like couple about what my plans were after summer and they asked me what I was doing and I told them that I was moving to California to go to Bible school. <laughs> Because I was like, I am not telling you that I'm going to supernatural school of ministry. So I had this history of like, I would just tell people all the time, I'm going to Bible school. I'm going to supernatural, or I'm going to ministry school. It was leaving out the word that I didn't want to have to talk about. So I was doing the same thing again with men's group. I was leaving out the purity word so that I didn't have to talk about it. And then it was probably the first time that I went to the women's wives night that I heard someone from the stage talk about a statistic of how many women, like how many men in the church deal with porn problems. I just sat there. I remember, or just purity issues. I remember thinking like, man, that's a really high stat. Like that means that even though I feel like I'm alone, like I'm not alone in this, like purely based on statistics, like I can't be alone in this. So why isn't anyone talking about it? Like why aren't any women talking about it to other women? And I just kind of realized that it was shame. Like the same reason I wasn't talking about it, that I was embarrassed. Embarrassment really was shame. And I was keep, it was keeping me isolated. It made me feel alone. And therefore I wasn't getting better. I wasn't getting healthy. I was just kind of dying on my island by myself. <laughs> so I, the Lord just convicted me that the next time that Aaron acted out, I needed to talk to one of my friends that I thought I was being honest and doing life with. And I needed to talk to, talk to her about how it made me feel in my process. So I did. It was really scary. I, uh, I remember, it's probably about a month later, I went to her house, we were hanging out, and then I broached the subject. And when she was listening to me, she was, you know, being empathetic and a great friend, but she was not indicating at all that she, like, could empathize what I was going with or that her husband had dealt with it or anything like that. So I went home, and on the car ride, I was like, dang it, what are the odds that I would pick the one woman that's, like, never dealt with this? And then I remembered, I knew the odds. They were very slim. Like, I had bad luck. (laughs) It was not likely that I would pick it. So fast forward, like, a month. And we're hanging out, and she tells me that um, her husband 
had been looking at porn. And she just like broaches it like it's this conversation we've been having already. And of course, like in the moment, I'm just listening. But I went home pretty mad because I felt like I had been honest and vulnerable with her. And she like had been dealing with it too and didn't like meet me there. So I forgave her in my heart because the Lord was just like, dude, it's shame. Like there's so many of your wives that are probably dealing with so much shame that they're not talking about it with their other friends. And you guys here, I know, like I've heard just snippets of like Aaron will recap messages and stuff about shame. You guys get that a lot. And I hope that you're tackling it in your own lives. But the chances are that your wives are probably not as free from the shame as you are or going after it like you are. So I just kind of, I would love to see you guys champion your wives to find a safe friend to talk about it. Like they, if they have someone they're processing with, they'll heal faster. It'll be like better for you guys, your connection. Like I really feel strongly that you should like really encourage your wives to find someone to talk about it with. Um, I know a lot of wives, I hear them say that they want to protect their husbands. That's why they don't want to talk about it with other women, which is like, I appreciate the sentiment behind that for sure. So that's why I kind of think that it might need to come from you being like, hey, like, I want you to be whole and I want you to go on a journey too with this. So that means like if you agree upon a safe friend or whatever that looks like for you personally, like encourage them. You might have to push them. This one friend that um, she now talks to me about her issue, you know, when it flares up and what it's looking like for them to walk it out. But I've started challenging her. Actually, I give her homework. I give a lot of my girlfriends homework nowadays. <laughs> I like that concept. <laughs> so I just challenge her sometimes like, okay, cool. Like, I'm really glad you shared that with me and we process. And I'm like, I want you to talk to someone else about it. That scares you. Because if you talk about it, then your freedom breakthrough is going to be their freedom and breakthrough. And then it'll be their freedom and breakthrough. And I feel like that's the only way that can, we can really like tackle this is to start talking about it because it's not an isolated event. And the fact that you're in this room is not shameful. It's actually really, like, you should be really proud that you're working on being whole and healthy. And your wives should be really proud that you're working on being whole and healthy. And I feel it, like, the wives' nights that I've gone to, it's crazy. I can feel the shame when I walk in. Like, I, it's funny because I hadn't been, obviously, I don't come on a regular basis, but it's just, Aaron and I were talking about it, and it feels different. Like, I can feel it on other women. So go after that. Like, be your wife's champion to get her out of the shame. And then, um, so my spiel when I'm talking to other girls about men's group is, um, yeah, that's, okay, so obviously men come because they have a purity issue. Usually that's why they get them in the door. But they stay because they're working on being whole. They're both working on being self-aware, emotionally healthy. They're working on being the best versions of themselves. And I don't know anyone who doesn't need that. <laughs> like, nobody, everybody needs that. So, like, I'm talking to my friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, my, you know, my husband doesn't deal with pornography. You know, he doesn't look at porn. I'm like, that's awesome. How is your husband about being vulnerable? Like, is he good about sharing his heart with his other guy friends? Like, what's his male friendships look like? When was the last time your husband cried? Like, mm, sounds like he probably needs to be a men's group. <laughs> I'm like, I hear it all the time. I'm like, it's not just about the pornography. It's what you're doing after it. Like, once you get clean, and that, that's why you stay. And my husband is a great example of that, like, the first, when he first got in here, he got clean. And then he started tackling different things that the Lord was like highlighting, which you all probably do. And I think his first, the first one we really kind of went on was vulnerability. And he like walked through what it looked like to be vulnerable and didn't realize how many levels that took. And it was probably like a year and a half journey. And the next journey was passivity. And it's funny how it feels like there's seasons of it. And they're not, they're not instant. So I feel like our culture, we always hear it, that we're a microwave culture where we want the process to be quick and painless and fast, but 
that's not how it works. Like, there's a reason that babies take nine months to form, even though we serve, like, a supernatural God. There's, like, a reason that trees take decades to grow roots. Like, there's something in the process that can only come out over time. And sometimes I feel like, too, it's crazy how, like, you know, Aaron went over after passivity, and he went after the initial root, but then it was, like, months of more stuff coming up that were just subtle, and we didn't even realize, like, when he was getting triggered, like, oh, what is that? Oh, that, that root's passivity? I never would have guessed that. And the Lord was showing me that it's kind of like school. Like, when you're in second grade, you get introduced to, like, addition and math. And then you go to third grade, and it's not that you don't see math again. You do see math. You just see a more complicated, complex version. And every year of school, you have the same subjects because you have to build upon them so that eventually when you're in high school, you can do calculus. Like, that's the same thing with process. Like, just if you see something come up again, it's not that you failed necessarily or missed it the first go-round. The Lord wants to do something deeper. And you've graduated from second grade. Now you got to do third grade. And then you got to do fourth grade. So, like... Give yourselves a break. It's process. It's going to take a while, and you're going to have to move on to the next grade, but you'll get it. You'll get breakthrough. You'll get whole because you're here, and you're having accountability, and you're on the process, in the process, and on the journey. Um, oh, yeah. I actually, I tell a lot of people that the cream of the crop at Bethel come to this room, and I tell them that. It feels like you guys are like the organic meat because I know that you're working on. <laughs> you're like, not just organic. Grass Fred. Grass-fed. <laughs> yeah, organic, grass-fed, free-range. I, I have a company, and I have a couple employees who are single, and they always kind of like casually say, but they really mean it. If you ever want to set me up on a date, you're more than welcome to. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to speak in men's group. That would be a great place for you to find a husband. So I tease them that I was like, I'll just bring your picture and put it up on screen. They're like, we are totally okay with that because we see what Aaron is. And if the guys look like Aaron, like sign us up for that. I was like, okay. So if anybody wants to date some awesome 30-year-old women, I'm just saying. That's a joke. I'm teasing. <laughs> we can Facebook stalk them together after this. Don't worry. <laughs> But that being said, I want to challenge you guys to not do this half-heartedly. Like, if you're here, get the most out of it. If you're here, you're paying for it with your time. If you're married, you're paying for it with your wife's time, too. <laughs> so make sure that you're getting the most out of it. And what I mean, really, is do your homework. Like, I know that's going to sound silly, but why are you here if you're not doing your homework? Like, you coming to men's group and listening to the sermons, but not doing it when you go home, or not doing your homework, or not starting until Thursday or Friday and giving it really a half-hearted effort, is like someone paying for a personal trainer, listening to them describe, like, a good ab workout, then not doing the ab workout when they get home, and being bummed in six months that they don't have a six-pack. That doesn't make any sense. Like... <laughs> So if you want to get these muscles, if you want to form new habits, if you want to change your like, thought patterns, like you have to do your homework. You have to do the exercises to change your muscles. You're not going to wish it into happening. And if you want some accountability, I'm sure that your wives would love. If you tell her what your homework assignment is, I'm sure she'd help you gladly put it into practice. But, but seriously, like, do your homework. Don't waste your time or her time by not doing your homework. Like, earn those muscles. That's the only way you're going to get them. And yeah. um, Aaron has always been really awesome about self-development. Like, it's one of the things, actually, I, that I was initially attracted to him about. Um, even when he was like, we actually started dating. We wait. I was 23. 
three, I think. I was a cougar. He was 19. <laughs> and I waited till he was 20. I'm not even kidding. To start dating him because I was like, I cannot date a teenager. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But even back then, he was like amazing about self-development. Like when we first got married, he was like, when can we do lamb? And I was like, babe, we got married a month ago. <laughs> and he's like, when, are we, when will you let us do lamb? And I was like, oh, don't make me the bad guy. And I was like, okay, we do man- lamb after we're married a year. I'm not even kidding. We were married a year of the class. He had us signed up before we even talked about it. I'm like, awesome. Okay, we're doing this. When, or even like his book. He always read like self-help development, you know, leadership books. This one time we were um, walking out of the library. We had just gotten a stack of books. We'd gone to the library for our own enjoyment. So clearly we did not have kids. This was pre-kid day because now I only go to the library for like toddler time. Um, but Aaron, we're walking out and I look at Aaron's books and he has like a leadership book. He has the history of North Korea. That's a fact, but I don't remember why. <laughs> I know, he likes to learn. And then he has, uh, what was the other one? Oh, like your six stages of marriage or something like that. And then I, on the other hand, I have the Hunger Games. I have Maze Runner and then some other like young adult fiction book. And I'm like, <laughs> you're making me look dumb. And he was like, I didn't choose your books for you. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> so he's always, all that to say, Aaron's always like done men's group with 110%. Like he's been doing, like his homework a year ago was to do push-ups. He's still doing push-ups every morning. Like there's just things that he realizes like that if I'm going to do this for our family's sake, I want to go like all the way. And currently, uh, so you can be like Aaron. That would be hashtag life goal. Be like Aaron. <laughs> uh, so currently he's tackling, I think, friendship like he's learning what it looks like to be a friend and pursue friendship and that makes me really excited because that's probably one of my like favorite one of my biggest like core values is friendship and it's interesting though because being in this culture at Bethel I feel like I hear a lot from just from women from men different stages of life that uh, it's hard to find community and connection at Bethel and I would actually say that it'd be more accurate to say that you have to be more intentional here. So there's a plethora of people, but if you're not intentional and if you're not pursuing them, then it's not going to happen. It's not like most of us probably moved here and we came from probably churches about like 500 or so where after church, you could talk to people next to you, you'd get kicked out of the sanctuary and you head to lunch. Like that doesn't happen at Bethel. Like you get herded in the sanctuary and you get herded out. And if you want connection, it's probably not going to have the church building. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to pursue people. And but the good news is that unlike back at your home, there's literally thousands of people. So if you are a young adult or you're young married with no kids or if you're retired, there's probably 100 people that fit your demographic at least. So you don't have an excuse for not having friends, like for having friends because you're powerful. And how many people have you asked out for coffee recently or invited over for a family barbecue? I think I just I'm kind of amazed how people kind of expect it to be given to them where you have to actively go and get community yourself. And I, um, I have seen, like, I think one of the things that has motivated me more in the last, like, five, six years is um, kind of watching my parents and their, a lot of my parents' friends who had awesome friendships, like, before you're married because they're single, then got married and, like, had less friends and then lost their friends entirely as our schedules got bigger and now they don't have any friends like my parents literally don't have any friends 
<laughs> so when they're single, <laughs> it's easy. You're motiv- especially if you're single, you're motivated because you want to find a wife. And it's kind of easy to go to those parties and mixers. And then when you have young kids, your life slows down a little bit. And then when they get older, your life kind of tends to come all about your kids. And then your kids leave the house. And my parents live in the same, like, we live, I'm from an island in North Carolina. And at, most of their friends that they were friends with before they were married live within 10 miles of them still. And they don't have friends. They don't see them. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be 60 and not have community because I chose to not invest in it when it was hard. Like, it's crazy to me when people talk about not having time. I'm like, I get it. My middle name is busy. I have two kids. I'm running a business. My husband works full time. Like, I understand busy. But then you can tell me you have enough time to, like, binge watch Suits or something like that when you get home. I'm like, you have the time. It's just what you're choosing to invest it in. So, sorry. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Aaron and I were thinking about like, like the importance of friendship in our own lives. And part of it is like friend, you know, there's so many scriptures about friends, like speaking in each other's lives and encouraging each other and like wisdom. And then also like that we're all different parts of the body and that we can't function. Like we're losing out if we're not in community because they have different functionality and different viewpoints. And we were talking about how our own lives, like our friends have actually like changed major courses of our lives because of friends input and how like Aaron would not Aaron just graduated with his accounting degree in October which I'm really proud of him at and he would not have if it wasn't for friends there is something that I had said for a while like hey babe I think you really love numbers like would you ever consider accounting and he was like oh sweet wife no (laughs) but then another friend comes and introduces an idea and he comes home and he's like babe I think I should pursue accounting really? Because <laughs> I, but I'm teasing, but really like friends can say things that you can't hear sometimes or you don't hear from people that you're closest with. And we probably wouldn't be homeowners right now if our friends hadn't talked to us about and given us like courage to start that process. And we actually just bought a minivan and we didn't, not on purpose, but we didn't invite any friends into that process. And we just found out that we probably could have saved a couple thousand dollars if we just talked to someone about it. And we feel kind of ridiculous, but I'm like, ah, this is why you have friends. This is why people can see things that you can't see. And this is just, those are more tangible evidence. But even like speaking into your life, like I have girlfriends who would tell me, like I go to them after, I remember one friend, my friend Holly, I told her about a fight Aaron and I had, a disagreement. And I expected her at the end to be like, oh yeah, like that sucks, Jenna. Aaron's a jerk. And instead she was like, oh, it sounds like you changed the rules on him and then you didn't tell him. So that's kind of unfair that your expectations changed and you didn't let him know. Dang it, Holly. (laughs) But don't you want, like, people in that, like, not only speaking for your spouse's sake, but into your life? Like, so invest in your friendships. Like, it can be casual. It can be more intense. Like, we have park dates with friends because I don't want to host all the time. Where I'm like, hey, bring your kids. We'll just go to a park. And it's awesome. And those are people I want to run with for the rest of my life. And I want speaking in our lives. And the Lord convicted me the other day. He was like, or just showed me that if I want my kids, like, I really want my kids to be good friends. Like, to be a good friend to someone. And if I want them to be a good friend, I have to model friendship. I have to model what it looks like to serve, to be there for people. And just challenge you, like, your friends won't know how to be, your kids won't know how to be friends if you don't have friends. If you're not showing them what friendship looks like. So to recap, (laughs) help your wife find a friend to process with, do your homework, and get friends.